Welcome to the new year here at Freightonomics, where we discuss the freight markets combined with that macroeconomic activity. I'm Zach Strickland, Director of Freight Market Intelligence here at FreightWaves, and with me as always, Anthony, Anthony Smith, Lead Economist. Lead Economist here at FreightWaves. Hopefully you had a great uh, New Year uh, situation. <laughs> yeah. Holidays. Yeah. It was a good time. I mean... How could you not just sit back and just watch just like, I don't know, I feel like there's so much press coverage and news stories of like how people are celebrating around the country, um, whether it just be like at home, in public, or just like it was 2018, like in the bar. So yeah, did was, you, I mean, did you check out that New Year's Eve stuff that in New York? I mean, it was... I saw the press release where the cops yeah. like, don't show up. Yeah. Don't come. <laughs> We'll we'll celebrate next year, but anyone no, don't come to Just, Times Square. Don't do I it. I don't know why they do it anyway. It seems horrible. And yeah. I've heard horror stories yeah. of like people showing up, like having to wear like adult diapers and stuff like that just to like because it's so crowded and there's like no services like around there and that is seems awful. Yeah. You know what else seems awful? What's that? Uh, being on a container ship anchored out in the uh, Pacific Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> that would also seem awful. Yeah. We have a holiday coming up. Yeah. Like our holiday season just ended, but there's a big one in China coming up soon. Yeah, we do. We have that. And we've got, you know, segue alert. Yes. <laughs> we, we have, uh, the, you know, our story of the day. And really, this is the story almost of, it, it's kind of a culmination of the year, really. And it's a good opener to what we are experiencing there in the freight market. You know, we've got, you know, I mentioned the, all the ships anchored out in the ocean. Well, <clears throat> they're not going to get any chances anytime soon to clear that queue because as Greg Miller wrote on freightways.com, uh, they are basically not going to remove any services from the uh, Asia to uh, North America freight line for the, the maritime carriers. So this is something that's a little bit different than years past, right? Because usually everything just shuts down. This is, yeah. So, uh, you know, he puts some good stats in here, uh, basically saying that we normally see X percent. You know, I think it was something like, uh, yeah, only 2% of the Asia to West Coast service has been canceled so far versus the usual 20%. That's substantial. And the way that, that you know, a lot of the maritime carriers normally control their capacity by canceling or blank sailings, uh, as they call it. Boyd sailings, et cetera, just to, you know, because shippers aren't able to ship anything. Their production shuts down. Chinese New Year, uh, if you don't know, is a huge holiday period in right. China. The entire country shuts down for effectively a month. Yeah. Uh, as a lot of the, you know, workers leave the factories, they go back home, they travel. This is when the Wuhan virus, as it was called, so... Uh, eloquently last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I remember last year we, we went over this topic, yeah. like we, before coronavirus really kind of ramped up, mm -hmm. you were breaking down very eloquently yeah. how the, the Chinese new year impacts the freight markets. I think yep. we had an entire episode kind of framed around that topic. Yeah, we did. We did. I, I believe so. I'm going to rely on your younger brain <laughs> uh, for that one. But the, uh, yeah, I'm sure we've talked about it, uh, numerous times. This is a very big time of the year for freight, especially importers. Uh, but normally what happens is, they'll import a ton of freight in January and it doesn't necessarily get on a truck because January is traditionally for surface transportation uh, outside of rail, really the slowest month of the year uh, for trucking. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, me and Mike Vincent joked about it on the, on the spot, last on the spot of the year, the, the week between 
you know, Christmas and New Year's, the slowest because everybody goes on vacation. There's just nothing going on. Production comes to a halt in the United States uh, just due to vacation and holiday influence. And then January comes back and you come back into the office and it takes you a good solid few days to a week to really get your head back into the game. Yeah. <clears throat> and we've seen that in a lot of our, our freight volumes and activity so far. But we saw this before the holiday. Right. Containers and imports and all that, they were booked solid. Uh, Chinese, the Chinese don't care about our Christmas and New Year. I mean, some of them do. Uh, but they don't care that they are, you know, that we're taking a break. They don't take a break. Their yeah. their break comes here in the next in a month. Right, right. <laughs> Almost exactly a month, I believe. And so really what typically, historically, when we look at Chinese New Year, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong here, we see a ramp up in Chinese production, right? Trying to mm-hmm. kind of get around some of that, getting ahead of the curve of what is Chinese New Year. And so we'll see shippers domestically trying to get around that because they know things are going to slow down. Mm-hmm. Now with COVID-19, we're, we're playing this catch-up, right, from yep. last year. And now it's mixed with kind of trying to ramp up to curtail what would have been a historical or normal seasonal pattern. So it's just like two diverging trends really exactly. kind of amplifying things. Yeah, they can't. So they can't catch up from where they were. And we yeah. just had, obviously, our big holiday peak season. Uh, no big shocks here uh, from the holiday peak, retail peak. It was... It was strong. I don't think it was quite as strong in December as it was in November because it looked like everybody was trying to get as much in front of the holiday as possible. And it almost looked like, and I'm not, I don't, I don't want to minimalize the, the fact that capacity was essentially as tight as it was in, in th- around Thanksgiving, uh, thanks to Christmas. Uh, but volumes did kind of peter off. Uh, and this is not unusual yeah. uh, for this time of year. Overall freight volumes do tend to drop in December, whereas the service requirements for especially the retail freight, uh, the consumer products gets a lot tighter. That's right. Uh, and that really has a drag on capacity as well as of course the vacations and whatnot as drivers and carriers and shippers alike all take a vacation yeah. uh, for that holiday time period. But that doesn't mean that all this freight stopped. Yeah. It's piling up on the port. They have, I believe somewhere around 30, ships out at anchor according to greg miller's article uh still waiting to be unloaded yeah and a lot of from reading the article fantastic by the way article it it really outlines well what you know this might do this is going to exacerbate a very serious problem out there on the water yeah we've already got 30 ships normally they use this time to play catch up Mm mm-hmm only 2% of the capacity has, has been canceled, meaning they're just going to keep shipping this stuff. Because I would assume that, uh, and I don't know how this necessarily is going to work because the factory, the, the, the population in China goes on vacation. Yeah. I don't know if they are keeping some of that online just to clean out all this container backlog that they have sitting up on their ports on their side. But from what I understand, like they're, they're going to work through it in some way, which means even if they did take that holiday, we're going to have so much influx of freight still coming into this country. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to definitely be, sounds like a working holiday for those of our uh, Chinese friends abroad trying to really kind of catch up and kind of, I'm sure there's still going to be some, some slowing down of activity, but it definitely sounds like there's going to be more working holiday hours to compare to previous years. Yeah. And, and again, the country legitimately and talking to Henry Byers, I mean, it's the ghost town, yeah. like in terms of working and, and whatnot. So 
uh, that actually leads us into really what we wanted to talk about today. That's right. And, you know, also, before I forget to mention, I am monitoring. If you see me looking down at my computer screen, I am monitoring LinkedIn and um, here for all of your comments, questions today. Zach is going to intro what we're going to be talking about. And um, I see everyone's comments coming in. Rodrigo, thanks for joining. Happy New Year. Shane, um, Dane Adams says he loves my work and he says I'm very smart. So <laughs> appreciate that. Well, I will you and, know, uh, counter, yeah. counter that later. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, as I mentioned, James Fry, who uh, had a quick conversation with him on LinkedIn, Looking forward to our outlook for 2021. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's exactly what we're about to dive into here in some detail, uh, because I think everybody, it's it's such an unusual time. Uh, you know, the seasonal patterns have been broken to an extent. We had tremendous freight flow in the back half of the year, thanks to the COVID and the pandemic, uh, really changing a lot of consumer behaviors as well as messing with supply chains, uh, but. There hasn't been any sign of that slowing prior to the holiday surge. And this import volume stuff is only going to add to that equation. We're going to see freight volumes continue to come into the country. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have the same effect as, say, a Christmas or a Thanksgiving. Like I said before, that freight has service requirements on it. Uh, the only thing that's going to move this freight faster is the fact that warehouses are so full, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, on certain warehouses. Certain warehouses are very full. Some of them are very empty, and they're trying to get some of these inventory levels built back up uh, from what is traditionally one of the, uh, you know, busiest periods of the year. They clean out a bunch of uh, facilities and DCs, and they rely on January as the retail season slows down, January to really build all that back up, and then not just build it back up, but also prepare for, you know, March, April, before they can get those next shipments coming in from across the water. And, and I think because of that, we are going to see kind of this continued flow of freight. Now, it will contract as it normally does, uh, but we won't necessarily see um, it retract all the way back down to, say, a 2019 uh, or even a 2020 this time last year. It, it's, it's just it's too fast, too furious right now to think that January is going to just plummet like it does yeah. traditionally. Yeah. And you say it like, you know, a lot of that's going to be driven by, of course, the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that import volumes, I can't, I think that kind of like ties into what we expected with our conversation previously with Chinese New Year. Right. And what we're seeing right now with warehousing space. Um, I think we're going to have our regular special guest, Zach Rogers on shortly, not today, but um, I was going to say surprise (laughs) (laughs) in the coming weeks here to kind of talk to some of those points, because he definitely honed in on how Mm -hmm. some of those trends are really impacting further downstream and really still tied up upstream with some of those manufacturers as well. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, and that's that's part of what we're going to dive into. So let's start breaking it down a little bit. Um, You know, I'm going to turn to you here uh, for some sentiment. So, you know, so we know how you're feeling uh, for this year. Of course. Uh, But You know, some of the big things that were moving freight in the last year, the big ticket items last year. So obviously we all know about e-commerce. Everybody went to their houses and, you know, bought a bunch of stuff. But a big component of that e-commerce was also housing, um, furniture, or not, sorry, you don't buy a house online, or maybe one day we will, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) the furnishings in your house, uh, furniture, you know, finishing goods, if you will, uh, they took a big jump as well as, uh, you know, electronics, mm-hmm. some of these retail goods got more so uh, online than they had in the past. And what do you think that's going to happen there? I mean, we're, 
the housing market's still strong. Mm -hmm. uh, people are going to get another six hundred dollars. Yeah, <laughs> don't spend it all in one place. Love that money. Mm -hmm. um, and do you think? Do, what do you see in these on these specific sectors here in the next uh, next twelve months or so? Definitely. So just starting off with housing, um, before I even kind of get into my expectations for 2021, should probably recap my expectations for 2020 and how that kind of played out. So going into 2020, I have this article on FreightWaves.com. I think it's never heard of it. Yeah. Check it out. <laughs> it's good stuff. <laughs> it's called Slow Start, Strong Finish is a commentary on my expectations. I think it was released December 31st, 2019. So before any kind of... Sounds like you nailed it. But, COVID <laughs> expectations. But unwittingly. <laughs> you know, who would have known this would have been the outcome? Um, so my expectations in that article outlined for housing that there's going to be some strong demand throughout the year, and it's going to be one of the catalysts for growth throughout the year. And the main things are going to be that's going to hinder that growth is going to be available lots for building, um, adequate labor, and uh, just a tight, tight, tight uh, supply um, inventory market on there. So that's really been the thing for throughout the year. It slowed down just a hair, just I think during March, April, but then it just continued to ramp right back up. And now we're at pre, we're kind of getting towards 20, 2007 levels, um, pre uh, Great Recession housing oh. levels on some metrics. And so thanks for that. We are, <laughs> we are seeing a, a steady ramp up. One of the things that's really kind of continuing that ramp up is, of course, those low interest rates. It's at a historically low um, level. That's really kind of keeping a lot of people in the game. When we're looking at housing construction, especially for existing homes, there is a very limited supply of those existing homes on the market, especially for um, looking at uh, entry-level homes and mid-level homes. Those are still very tight. And so that is going to push up the price point for those homes. And that's going to start making a new home sales, a new home, new builds a lot more alluring because it's like, am I going to pay X amount of dollars usually for an existing home? Right. You're getting a discounted rate. It's, you know, it's not <laughs> brand new. But if it's going to be priced so high, you might say, hey, I'm just going to look to build a house. And so when we look at housing and I think we're looking at many of the consumer trends, it's going to be, I think, a tale of two consumers. Those that have been able to successfully work remotely and um, kind of continue business as usual on an income basis, they're not going to be as impacted. Those are the ones that are going to continue to, you know, provide that upward momentum for e-commerce. They're still going to be looking for homes. If they're feeling secure in their jobs or working remotely, nothing's really changed for them. Now, those individuals that have maybe in the service sectors or in states that are really heavily impacted by COVID and their industry has been shut down, whether it's hospitality, um, restaurants, things like that, some of those services, they're still kind of, if they were in a position to buy a home, they might not be now. But those that have been able to looking to make a home purchase are still in a great position to buy a home. And so that's really going to continue into, I think, 2021. Um, so we're still seeing that tightening market there. I think if we still see those tightening inventory levels for existing homes, that's going to still keep on pressure. And so I think we're going to see continuous pressure for um, construction building out throughout the first half of the year um, and into that summer month. We didn't really have that summer raise as we wanted to see with the housing starts, but we did see a consistent rise. Um, construction spending still going strong. Um, it's not going to be as strong, of course, for non-residential as we see office spaces and things like that oh, not yeah. get built out <laughs> as rapidly. Good point. But we're housing. Um, that's definitely <laughs> going to be a strong one, of course. But overall, we're going to see somewhat, I think, of a decline or, or decelerating trend or moderating trend for non-residential, but continuous growth for residential home sales or, or construction spending. That's going to add some momentum or capacity tightening for flatbed trailer types. And as you mentioned earlier, there's downstream effects. So those new homes get purchased, built, things like that. 
people are going to fill those new homes up with stuff, whether it be new furniture, which has been a shortage of, right. um, backlogs, that's, delays. That's, that's sitting on those containers out in the water. <laughs> Somewhere in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to see that. Um, durable goods, appliances, mm-hmm. things like that. I, and I think Dooner has a Peloton bike or something like that. So we're going to see some durable goods that are uh, you know, still going to be filling up these new homes, these new spaces um, as we move throughout the year. Of course, uh, stimulus is going to be a thing for those that have not been able to kind of secure employment and work remotely. Um, but I think, like I said, it's going to be a tale of two consumers throughout 2021, at least throughout the first half. So it sounds to me kind of like, you know, we're still going to see this tightness in the housing market. It's going to continue, you know, especially through the first half of the year. Uh, and, and one of, of course, you mentioned that one of the driving factors of that is the lower interest rates, which we're not raising those anytime soon. Right. So that's going to keep the housing market relatively competitive until they start raising those prices. And again, uh, you know, God willing, the pandemic subsides. Yeah, <laughs> it, I, I would. I don't want to say it can't get any worse, but it's. <laughs> we're. I, I'm hoping that we're we're peaking out about now. Um, but it hasn't appeared to slow things down like it did in the spring. Right. I mean, in the spring, we kind of shut everything down. We basically everybody went home, and then they didn't come back. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, but we're 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 really not seeing the same level of impact on the economy that we saw back then, uh, and I don't know if that's the fact that you know we're just we're focusing on everybody kind of taking care of their own. If you want to go out, go out. If not, now it's it's not necessarily working very well in terms yeah. of curbing the virus. But uh, death rates or uh, mortality is is not where it was in the spring either. Uh, and I, I'm not a doctor, so I can't even <laughs> you know speak to why that is, but. Um, we are just in that early phase of this, you know, these cases really strengthening again, like they did in November. And again, unfortunately, death rates are lagging indicators, uh, with, with the disease, uh, itself. So, but that being said, economy isn't taking as big of a hit as it did earlier in the year. And we got another stimulus. Looks like things are going to be okay Mm -hmm. on that front. And the service side isn't going to get necessarily worse, (laughs) uh, you know, as people are starting to get back on their feet. So housing looking good. We've got one box checked uh, for the economy moving forward. Um, You know, the next sector, uh, the next item, I guess, that's worth mentioning uh, industrial sector. This has been mm-hmm. the sleeper. Mm-hmm. And this is the one that everybody kind of always points to as like the driving force behind the economy. Well, y- yes and no. I mean, of course, it's got a big impact. But we just watched freight volumes this year go through the roof. Yeah. Um, and depending on the type of freight that you haul, if you're a carrier uh, or the type of, obviously, all shippers and companies know, they fit into a certain category uh, of what type of freight and their industries that were impacted uh, very disproportionately throughout the year. Uh, versus some of these other industries, like we mentioned, the home furnishings and uh, and the appliance sectors did very well this past year. Um, but that being said, the industrial sector, our production, mm-hmm. really dependent on oil, energy, it's very connected. And we, of course, have become one of the top providers of oil, right. crude oil in the, in right. the world uh, in the last decade or so. And when that suffers, so do we as an economy. Now, this is starting to make a comeback, is it not? It is, and that's one of the talking points we've had, I think, over the last couple of months is that there's slow momentum building for um, manufacturing. We're looking at industrial production. We're looking at year-over-year quarterly growth. That's starting to slowly build up. Um, 
one of the areas that's been ramping up is ISM PMI, the Purchasing Managers Index, that barometer for manufacturing. Anything above 50, of course, indicative of growth, while anything below 50, indicative of contraction. One of the things that we saw just a few months ago was finally when we saw that um, surpass of 50 for employment. Um, so employment, of course, is going to be a big factor when we look at manufacturing. And some individuals are, it's important when, when you're taking into account employment for manufacturing, how to really think about it. So looking at that employment aspect of a manufacturing, it's going to put potential backlogs on uh, manufacturing goods and orders and things like that. Because if you have to have a factory shut down or if you have um, uh, workers having to call out, they're sick, that's going to really kind of put a strain on your capacity to kind of turn out product. And so um, we did see some uh, employment start to get into that positive area. The most recent um, area that has really kind of jumped up besides new orders earlier on uh, or later on in the year was prices for uh, manufactured goods or um, commodities. And so those commodity prices are sky high right now on a month-to-month basis. And so that's really going to, I think, have some downstream effects when looking at that, those manufactured goods. Um, in 2020, I was expecting some more business-to-business activity earlier on mm-hmm. um, before the onset of COVID. Of course, that kind of changed things. And we saw this moderating um, trend throughout the year. And of course, as you mentioned, volumes weren't that impacted by it. And we saw the consumer really come through with stimulus, um, additional uh, jobless benefits claims, uh, and things like that. That really kind of helped support some of those volumes and some of those trends that we saw throughout the year. Going into 2021, really expecting some uh, momentum spilling into the year, um, whether with this uh, building, um, sorry, business to business activity Mm -hmm. really starting to ramp back up again. We've seen that uh, uh, PMI starting to kind of ramp back up again. So I think we have some momentum building. We're back. We're back over 60, are we not? We're over 60, which um, is the highest value in what two years? It's been well. It got it kind of got up there. um, I think three months ago into that level. Um, and, and, and of course, that doesn't quite mean that manufacturing is going to be at the highest level in over two years. But, of course, it's the future index. It's just index. expanding rapidly. Yes. <laughs> it, it, it's not, it's not a, a, you know absolute value of mm-hmm. activity. It's, it's, the, it's measuring the speed with right. which it's move, or growing or shrinking. Right, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, um, but it's positive signs for manufacturers. And, of course, that's going to be good news for those that are operating flatbed. Um, those carriers, those driver operators and things like that. Yeah, and And the automotive sector uh, is starting to pull back online with a quickness. Yeah. Um, Lots of good signs from that sector. Again, not all the way back to where they were (laughs) uh, by any means, but uh, things are starting to click again. It's it's almost like they've they've flipped a switch (laughs) and said, you know what? We're seeing, you know, all this happen. We're just going to go forward with it. And, of course, consumers are dragging them through it. They're, they're purchasing these vehicles, and again, they're, it's almost like they took their time off, and now everybody's kind of starting to say, well, we're just going to pull through this <laughs> as best we can, and, and, it's, and it's still moving regardless. So, you know, we've got the vaccine yeah. coming out. Uh, that is not something I think is going to be very fast. Mm-hmm. Having a, a wife that is in the healthcare industry, I know that the distribution, uh, and we, you know, we had Chris Wolf on discussing this earlier, the logistics, he had a very, uh, it now echoes with me (laughs) point about how he thought that it should be more of a centralized or at least driven by FEMA versus the regional or the the local government (laughs) that, I mean, and I I now see it pretty clearly, um, the local governments that they're putting this through 
do not have the infrastructure to manage something like this that needs to be distributed and handled on this scale. Uh, you're talking about people that are used to kind of managing a totally different process. Vaccines are handed out normally in hospitals mm -hmm. and, and doctor's offices, and they have certain amounts of flow through. You're talking about health departments and counties. They yeah. do not have, there's no playbook for this. Right. This is, right. And, and there's, and the personnel, they're not there either. You're yeah. talking about people that normally are handling a lot of paperwork and phone calls uh, and social work, <laughs> yeah. not distributing a vaccine to hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, Hamilton County has over a hundred thousand people in it. And you're talking about a thousand vaccines a day. Yeah. I mean, do the math. It's, we're <laughs> and the hours of operation, right? That's yeah. also going to be a, a, another Limiting. hindrance. Yeah, they, they, we just don't have the infrastructure for a wide, a wide distribution yeah. of this with speed. And it's, uh, you know, so if we're relying on that, you know, we're probably going to need to hold our breath a little bit longer because, again, the vaccine takes 30 days for full potency. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just looking back at our comment section, we have the brilliant... Zachary Rogers. Oh, coming in. Uh, coming in. Hey, so. he's not on this week. He's not on, but he's in here. <laughs> <laughs> he's in here in the comment section saying, so Anthony, am I correct in believing you guys think that 123,000 jobs we lost in December is just a blip in the road to reopening? Like Zach Circle mentioned in an article the other day, we still have lots of inventory waiting at the ports to get back to the supply networks. Um, so Strong points. <laughs> yeah, definitely strong points. We, we don't think that, uh, I don't think that those job losses are going to be a blip in the road. No. <laughs> and definitely when we're looking at uh, the unemployment number, the unemployment rate, I don't think it's really telling the full story. Right. You've mentioned that. this in the past. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you've talked about how the employment numbers are, they're not, you can't look at them like you did before COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And some of them just misclassification on mm -hmm. those that are going to be permanently uh, terminated or kind of leaving their field and those that are just temporarily laid off. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely going to be a, 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 a huge hindrance or potential or a likely or obvious headwind for the overall economic growth. Yeah, and I think to, to Zach's point, yeah, those those losses are bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, we are seeing more acceleration in the recovery process than we did. Like back in March and April, we were we were on the down <laughs> the downhill. Like things yeah. were getting worse. We had a, so much more uncertainty than we do now. Uh, it looks like you know, especially on those ISM numbers and a lot of the auto manufacturing and of course the retail sales. And the amount of freight just moving through the country right now, there is still a lot to be, you know, there, there's a lot more momentum to the upside than there was back then. Yeah. And it's, and there's still, we're coming out of that hole still where we've got a long way to go, but there still appears to be a plenty of, uh, you know, room to grow. And that growth is actually what drives a lot of the economy. Yeah. So, I mean, even if we aren't back to the absolute numbers that we were uh, before COVID, the momentum should also help spur the recovery itself. So it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know what I'm saying? Right. As right. those, as everybody starts to come back online and we won't be fully uh, accelerating until, uh, you know, this, the virus is kind of on its way out, hopefully sometime early 2021, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard a lot of, of course, I'm just an economist, mm -hmm. um, but reading a lot of research, seeing that a lot of individuals are expecting the summer of 2021 to really kind of be a really kind of relieving moment for COVID-19 
COVID-19. Hopefully there's not a COVID-20. Um, <laughs> but um, again, this has been unpredictable. But the thing that I am happy with is to see how people have adjusted and how industries have adjusted. And of course, as we mentioned earlier, um, it's really kind of accelerated a lot of trends that we haven't seen in, in just businesses that were dying out. They're gone. Those that were on the brink of innovation, they're here. So I think it's really kind of been a great push that way. Yeah. And, 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 you know, just to kind of summarize things, I think we're all in agreement here that the first half of the year, uh, for freight, at least, uh, not for every, everywhere, the service industry still have a lot to be said, but I think that looks a lot more positive there in the second half of the year, which again, there's going to be this changeover of spending from goods to services to an extent. Now it's not going to erase all this freight yeah. by any means, but I think that there's a lot of unknowns around what that looks like, you know, as we were talking about, it's going to depend on how quickly the virus subsides, um, vaccine or otherwise, herd immunity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's going to depend on, you know, what the consumer starts to do with their money. Like we, we saw it last year. Like we, there's all these little unknowns about the behavior of the consumer mm-hmm. uh, that we just don't know what's going to happen. Business investment comes back with a fury and industrial production comes back with a fury. It erases all that consumer behavior. Yeah. You know, or it takes over that hole that's left by them spending it on services. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really the transition that's in question uh, for this. But, you know, that'll about do it for our outlook for 2021 yeah. show, Anthony. That's and it went it. by fast. Yeah. <laughs> and I maybe the individuals that um, are watching wouldn't like to know that. I think we're going to be ramping up our Freedonomics broadcasting in the coming months. Oh, we're going to be moving to Thursday soon. Thursdays. It's and we're going to be away. an hour. <laughs> a full hour. A full hour. Us. Back to the hour. <laughs> well, as usual, download the Freightways TV app on podcast players everywhere. Just look up Freightonomics or look up Freightcasts and get every Freightways podcast, including all of our other fun shows. Y'all have a great week. Craig would like my Baylor green thermos here. I don't know. I don't like change like that. <laughs> <laughs> you, I mean, you're throwing me off. I did have to look.